This episode is brought to you in part by the following Government of Canada partners. The Trade Commissioner Service at the Consulate General of Canada in Minneapolis, which supports trade and investment opportunities between Canada and the Upper Midwest states of Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska, South Dakota, and North Dakota. Hey, I'm Brett. And this is Aditi. And this is Full Stack Food, a show about food and innovation. And how far you can throw me. That's a good teaser for a future episode. Welcome to the show, everyone. Brett and Steph, I'm so excited about this show because it centers around my favorite food, pizza. And I'm probably going to stoke some controversy right off the top by asking you guys what your favorite toppings are. That's an easy answer. Pepperoni all the way. Small pepperonis, the ones that cup up and get nice and crispy. That's the way to go. Ooh, yeah, yeah, crispy is important. Crispy and not under the cheese. It has to be over the cheese to get crispy, right? Oh, yeah. Only psychos like it under the cheese. Only psychos. <laughs> we all agree on something. And it has to be on thin crust pizza. But my favorite on a good New York style pizza is just plain cheese. I mean, I think that's delicious too, but only when you're in New York walking around with a slice. That's true. That's- I still put pepperoni over it. I'll go pepperoni on my New York slice all day. You and my kids. It's like pepperoni or bust. Is there plant-based pepperoni yet? I've had it. The spices taste the same. So they basically the way they replicate it is they replicate the spice profile of a pepperoni. And so that's how they replicate it. Ah, can they get it crispy in that same way? No. And the way you see it is if you've you've had the pepperonis out there that are more like cubed, like it's like a cubed Uh pepperoni or like a rectangular pepperoni versus like the circular ones. That's how I've had it. I mean, you don't have the cups filled with grease, which is really important. Correct. Well, done with that. Well, our question of the day is, can rocket scientists improve pizza? And our guest, Benson Sai of Stellar Pizza, sure thinks so. He's a former engineer for SpaceX and Lucid Motors, whose startup is using robots to make pizza. It was so much fun and so cool to hear about all the possibilities with the technology they've built, guys. Yeah, I love this one. And Benson was just awesome to have on. (laughs) He was so funny. I agree. Yeah, it was fun. I love the idea of uh, pizza robots in space also. (laughs) I know, exactly. And the transparency, being able to see pizza being made someday. Let's take a look at some of the hot topics trending in food and innovation, starting off with Indian insect biotech startup Loopworm. It raised some seed funding of nearly $3.5 million, led by Omnivore and Waterbridge Ventures, according to TechCrunch. This is the first Indian tech startup to farm insects for animal feed, according to AgFunder. And guys, this is a company that grows insects on food waste and then processes them into the products that go into animal feed. I think that in a country as populous as India, this could truly be a way to revolutionize agriculture and really change the world. Yeah, there's a lot of startups out there that are growing larvae or specifically larvae of flies or other different types of insects to feed animals as animal feed. There's actually even some that I've seen. There's an Australia company that was like trying to have use animal waste to feed insects to grow to then feed back to the animals, which seems weird. And it's actually illegal in um, the United States to do that. But the moral of the story is like, The challenge in this space is how do you grow insects at the scale that you need to grow? You need tons and tons and tons and tons of animal feed to feed any type of sizable flock. Why it's kind of interesting potentially is in India, it's their much smaller farms. So you don't have tens of thousands of head of cattle or pigs. You have much smaller hold farms. And so 
if the farmer themselves has the ability to build a mobile or on-location insect farm that they can put their food scraps in, they can potentially grow their own animal feed and they don't need as much of it. They don't need it to be at quite a scale. Sounds very promising. Well, next, Instacart is making a pair of acquisitions. The company announcing it's acquiring Eversight, an AI-powered pricing and promotions platform which allows retailers and consumer packaged goods brands to test customized pricing and promotions with customers. The company also recently announced that it's acquiring Rosie, an e-commerce platform for local and independent retailers and wholesalers, which will allow Instacart to offer its independent retailers on its platforms more tools. Guys, what do you make of these deals? I think they're super smart because it just as you said, what they're doing is they're offering new things to their customers, not kind of the end customer that you think of as you and me, but of these retail stores that are using the platform already, they're now going to be able to reach even smaller ones. They're going to be able to offer them more value. I think it's a a really interesting and probably smart strategy. Finally, Laxman Narasimhan is getting ready to take over the reins at Starbucks as CEO in April. He's currently the CEO of Lysol owner Reckitt. Outgoing Starbucks CEO Howard Schultz told CNBC recently he will never return to the top job because they found the right person for the job. Guys, it seems like the incoming CEO has a tough road ahead of him. The coffee giant has already saturated the market, so it appears to be out of his growth phase, you would think. And with the pressure to unionize, is he set up for success here? Aditi, what you're what I'm hearing you saying is Schultz is like, peace, we're not in a good spot. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like that's what he's saying. But I mean, you know, never say never, right? And then they're going to replay that soundbite when he's announcing he's coming back for the 10th time. I'm curious, do either of you know, is Starbucks affected by folks not going into the office during the pandemic? I mean, I would assume they were. It's a good question. I don't know off the top of my head. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I did not track them, to be honest. Well, coming up, we'll talk to Benson Sai about the transition from being an overachieving rocket scientist to an overachieving pizza truck guy. When you take a piece of novel technology and apply it to the crowd pleaser of all foods, it seems to be an instant recipe for success. Or at least that's what Benson Sai hopes. He's the CEO and co-founder of Stellar Pizza, a pizza-making truck operation that Sai calls a spaceship on wheels. Why? Because inside the truck, the chef making the pies is actually a robot. The spaceship analogy is particularly apt because Sai is a rocket scientist who left his job as a battery engineer at SpaceX to launch Stellar. His co-founders and nearly three dozen employees are also former SpaceX employees who jumped ship to join the so-called spaceship. They aren't alone in betting on pizza-making robots. Recently, Jay-Z invested in Stellar. For his part, Sai seemed destined for this journey, having been an engineer turned entrepreneur after grad school and then working at Lucid Motors and, of course, SpaceX, where he said he learned a lot about innovation from his face-to-face meetings with Elon Musk. But Sai's drive to build new things also comes from his childhood, where he learned to do hard things. So born and raised in Los Angeles, my parents, when they moved to the United States in 1979, they opened a fish and chips restaurant. And so food has always been a part of my family's sort of DNA and entrepreneurship attached to that, trying to open a restaurant as immigrants is pretty typical. 
running a restaurant is tough for anyone, really. And so they moved on. My dad opened a picture frame business, import-export picture frame business, and my mom actually opened an after-school program because she needed to educate both me and my sister in the Mandarin Chinese language. And so she opened a tutoring center where she we had buses that would pick up kids after school and bring them to our facility, and we would teach them English, math, and Chinese. And it was incredibly affordable. <laughs> Can she start it in our area? <laughs> so so I went to that school, but I quickly became an employee of that school, and, and my mom didn't have to pay me, so it was great. And I worked educating, and a large part of how I run a company is actually, you know, harkens back to managing a classroom, managing students, because adults are just big kids. <laughs> How old were you when you were teaching the other kids? I remember being in fourth grade teaching kindergartners, you know, math and English and really basic English and arts and crafts and all the things. Not too dissimilar to what you're doing now, right? Yeah, this is just, you know, arts and crafts with intent, the pizza truck. And how did the engineering come into play later on in your life? Yeah, engineering, just going through high school, math and science was definitely like pitched as the hardest thing you could do. And so with that in mind, I'm a bit of a masochist and I was like, I'm going to do the hardest thing I could do. And so I got into engineering because of that. But when I graduated from graduate school, I realized that math and science were the easy things because they obey the laws of physics and building a business was way harder. And so that's why I'm my second time building a company and it's crazy hard and nothing is the same. After you graduated from Harvey Mudd, you started an electric truck company and then went on to work at Lucid Motors and finally SpaceX, where you launched nearly 80 rockets. Before we dive into all that, we have to ask you, did you have a chance to meet Elon Musk? Yeah, no, I've had meetings with him. I think he offered to sign my car when I bought it. Ooh, did you? That meeting got canceled, so oh. I'm a little sad. <laughs> he was too busy buying Twitter. He, yeah, maybe. <laughs> What was that like meeting with him? What was he like? Are there things that you learn from those meetings that kind of stay with you? Yeah, I mean, he's great at just figuring out what the real problem is or like what the right question. Like he has this approach called first principle, like look at it from a first principles, take the first principles approach. And that really just cuts out all the fluff in any sort of conversation that you have. And I really appreciate those interactions with him. Yeah. So you are launching rockets. You're working for SpaceX. Why did you decide to then leave and then go the entrepreneurship route? Yeah, I do remember a point in time where my parents were like, why are you working for someone? And that's sort of the immigrant influence, like entrepreneurial influence. They're like, my response was like, I'm a rocket scientist. Aren't you proud? And they're like, no. And so five years is a good run for any career phase, right? And ended up just wanting to do my own thing. And, and, and I'd always been passionate about food. And I know that you spoke about the fact that working for companies like SpaceX or Lucid also made you think about entrepreneurship in a different way and kind of inspired that in you as well. Yeah, working for these companies to see the scale, like my parents come from sort of small scale entrepreneurship, like lifestyle businesses and whatnot. I think in my life, just having an impact was, most engineers get into engineering because they wanna have an impact on the world, right? And so to see the impact that venture scale companies could have on the world was really, really cool to me. And I was like, yeah, I want that. Like, I don't want to just do my little thing and have it happen. I want to build something big and, and really change people's lives 
at a much larger scale. How did you decide to launch a robot-operated pizza truck? (laughs) I honestly, I'm obsessed with food. And I was like, there was a point in time where I ordered DoorDash and there was a kid that handed me my food. And I remember this very, very vividly because I was in awe. I was like, wait, wait, what's going on? Why is a kid working? And I saw his mom in the car and it just confused me. And I was like, this whole system is broken. So... I just saw these issues with the food delivery world. And, and, and generally, I mean, this was 2019. And, and I, I was just like, what can I do here, right, with my skills? I took a look at the world and I was like, well, I can build hardware. And I love pizza. It was the only American food allowed in my household, that and <laughs> in and out right? <laughs> I was just like looking into it and look, the economics made sense. And I was like, okay, let's do this. Like, I have the capability to do this. Let's take a Domino's and, and put it on wheels and deliver pizzas to people as fast as possible. I've got to stop you for a second because we have food fights on this podcast fairly frequently around favorite flavors of different things. Steph and Aditi, favorite pizza, go. New York style and just cheese because New York style is so good that I don't want to adulterate it with any other toppings. Steph? I was just going to say pepperoni, but now that feels so small. (laughs) No, don't worry. My daughter only eats pepperoni pizza and so does my husband. So when I get New York style, I like the New York's like the sliced sausage and like New York style sausage on my pizza. I do like New York style pizza is my favorite style pizza as well. Although since I've lived in Minnesota, the soda style thin crust like square cut is actually pretty good. I've never had that. It's sneaky good. Sneaky good. All right, Benson, back to your story. I apologize for the interruption. So Benson, question for you. When you first got started with this, I'm curious, you're a hardware engineer. Did you kind of build a super quick prototype or did you go straight into figuring out how to get this mobile on wheels? So there's like a little fundraising story and then when money hit the bank, and I was like, go, right? And so I have photos of this on my kitchen island. There's like a makeshift oven. We were building minutes after money hit the bank, even before money hit the bank, actually. And we bought prototypes. We went out and bought a pizza, you know, dough press that can open the dough, double-sided heated press. And we just started working in my living room before we had any sort of office. And it was just all hands on deck. Do the rest of us all hear him just say that he didn't know how to make pizza before he decided to start a pizza company? Because that's what I just heard, which is (laughs) an amazing omission. But it's not about being the first. It's about being the best, right? Yes. I didn't know how to design space batteries when I started at SpaceX, right? And I did it. So it's really about, I loved eating pizza. I loved going around trying pizzas. I baked bagels before. I baked French bread, you know, and I was like, I can figure out pizza. It's dough, right? Favorite bagel, Benson? I'm a fan of the everything bagel. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Everything pizza? That's my guy. With how delicate the automation has to be with the soft dough, was getting that tech right the most challenging part of getting started? I could talk for an hour on how to handle dough and how the challenges of developing that process, right? But we were talking about what did I do first? And it was scour the internet for pizza recipes, the depths dredging through the forums and finding the pizza passionate. It was looking at how pizzas are made in frozen pizza factories, in pizzerias, like what are the commonalities? What's the science behind it? How do we transfer heat into the dough to cook it right? Like I was reading papers from the universities in Italy where they talked about like the material properties of dough and how fast you could theoretically cook pizza. And that's all my like formal training. Like I know how to cook things with math, right? Cool. So yeah, I just kind of dove in and started building this pizza company and recruited a team of ex SpaceX engineers. We'll get into that. But like our first 11, 10 hires were from SpaceX rocket scientists. 
And how did you convince them to leave SpaceX and join your pizza venture? <laughs> I get that question a lot. Well, my two co-founders worked directly with me at SpaceX on batteries. And, and then the first few hires were also battery engineers. We just enjoyed our, each other's companies so much and enjoyed working with each other. We worked with each other for five years that when, when we raised our first round of funding, which was $2 million, they were like, yeah, let's go have fun across the street, which is where our offices are, across the street from SpaceX. It was a crazy coincidence because I put in my requirements and the cheapest possible location was across from SpaceX. And I was like, okay, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> and so you have your team, you have your funding. What do you do next? build. We ordered 3D printers. We ordered ovens. We ordered all the pizza ovens out there. We tested. We started cooking different recipes. We were changing too many variables at the same time, which is not what you should do in engineering. But we had to do everything to understand pizza, to understand robotics. It was a new field for all of us. Can I ask a dumb question here? So why was it so important to have it be robotics-based versus like a pizza truck? Yeah, yeah. Scale. So to get back to my point of having an impact on society, if I go around trying to train hundreds of employees how to make really, really good pizza, it's hard. With robotics and automation, you can do a software update and change the recipe. Like if you wanted a crispier crust, I'd be like, okay, all trucks, crispier crusts today, right? It's crispy crust day or something. It's just scale. The reality is scale at the rate we can build these robots versus you know scaling at the rate of a typical restaurant. Is the thought that the truck would be in one place and the customers would come to that location or eventually will the truck be operating like a door-to-door delivery vehicle? Yeah, yeah. We are a startup, so we will be adapting to the environment. But the plan is to operate as sort of a mobile ghost kitchen or a mobile pickup location and eventually have these vehicles roaming to meet demand throughout the day, to meet demand as we discover what demand looks like for pizza. As you're building this, what was the most challenging piece of building your operation? There's so many challenging pieces. There's technically challenging pieces. There's organizational building challenging pieces. I mean, the most challenging piece is just building a company. Did any of your team, you talked about you had 10 people come from SpaceX. Did anybody have experience in the food industry at all? Yeah, a number of them had actually worked at pizzerias. Like in high school or college or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. How do you plan on getting customers? How are you thinking about the customer acquisition part of this? So we are building a food brand. We are not just selling robots to people. So it's about building a brand that people can understand. And I do think about In-N-Out a lot because I grew up next to the first In-N-Out. And I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it looks like a truck. It's like if you Google first In-N-Out, it's a small little box with a driveway that goes by it. So I think I want to build the In-N-Out for pizza. And obviously, we'll do the marketing, we'll do the, the social media, etc. be a modern food company. But at the end of the day, I think if you have good food at a very affordable price, the customers will gravitate towards outrageous value. And how much will your pizzas be? Do you know yet? <laughs> we're working on the pricing, but definitely sub $10. Right now, we're thinking 7 to $8 for our basic 12-inch pizza pie. The robot part of this is just so cool. And there's obviously that novelty aspect. And it can get a lot of customers in the door, right? Is there almost like a challenge in that, though, that the novelty part might overshadow the brand building part, right? 
Yeah, yeah. That's something I think about all the time. And to talk about robotics a little bit, or robotics and food, we've been eating food made by robots for decades, right? You open your pantry, none of that is made by hand. So I actually don't think the robotics, although exotic and cool to see at first, the long-term success of the company does, like, the novelty, we're not really leaning into it. Like, we want our customers to feel the impact of the robotics through their wallet and through their taste buds. And that's how I view robotics. The robotics are in service of the customer experience. What are customers looking for, you think, to be that differentiator? Is it the time to create? Is it the taste? What is it? Well, I mean, with food, everybody, you know, taste front and center. But I think it's reliability. Reliability in the sense that not necessarily speed to getting a pizza at your doorstep, but a consistent pizza arriving on your doorstep in a known amount of time with tracking. You can watch your pizza get made in the machine with the video footage that we're capturing, right? Like we want that to, you, as you order, you'll be like, oh, my pizza's in the oven and here it is, I'm watching it cook. To take the customer on that journey, the pizza journey, right? Yes, take the customer on the journey for their exact food, like the thing that they ordered. Are you able to share any details about the cost of the tech? Like how many pizzas do you have to sell in order to break even on the cost of the automation? Anything you're able to share with us? So the technology is one of the reasons we designed everything in-house from the mechanisms. We built brand new ovens from scratch. We built all of the electronics and circuitry, the motor systems, everything's done without buying off the shelf components. And so we're able to control the cost just in the same way that SpaceX offers a launch cost that's one third like anyone else, right? They do it all in-house. So we've done the same thing. We think that we can hit a one-year payback or less than one-year payback on the investment of the vehicle if we hit your standard restaurant metrics for a pizzeria. So for people like me that don't know, is your, your like pizza-making truck actually driving around making pizzas? Like I order and your pizza truck that's making it pulls up to my driveway and then like maybe a SpaceX spaceship drives it from the truck to my front door and drops it off? Like, is that how it works? Like this pizza making truck is just making loops in my neighborhood? Is that the vision? Not yet, but that is the vision. I mean, the sci-fi vision of of my business of Stellar Pizza is going to be a vehicle that's maybe self-driving and drones fly off the top of it, sort of like an aircraft carrier going to war and delivering pizzas. Very Jetsons. Yeah, Jetsons. How are you thinking about like some of the other really publicly you know, really visible robotics kitchens, robotics startups that have like failed, you know, Spice is one that was shut down after it was acquired. Like, how are you thinking like that? Why isn't that going to happen to you guys? Yeah, with any new industry and any new efforts, there's going to be innovation, there's going to be experimentation, there's going to be failure. I saw this in the electric vehicle world. I mean, I built an electric vehicle company in 2008, where when electric vehicles were not a sure thing. And there have been a lot of failures in the past 10 years. And there have been a lot of successes. Fundamentally, I think society needs robotics and automation in, like, restaurants need this technology to offer a very, very affordable, you know, food. Lowering the cost of living is something I talk about a lot with robotics, right? And so there is a need for this, and everybody's trying different things. Everybody's seeing what sticks, right? There are companies trying to sell machines into existing restaurants, which is great. My angle is like, let's own it all, sort of taking the SpaceX ethos of like, SpaceX doesn't sell rockets, they sell launch services, right? But raw material, raw aluminum shows up on the dock, and a rocket gets made. So I'm taking that angle. 
How come? Can you talk a little bit more about like the why behind that? Because we know some of the other, like we're going to sell a machine in. Like why do the from start to finish? You control every aspect of it so you know that there aren't any like losses in efficiency. And we designed it from scratch for a reason, like not because it was the easy thing to do, but because it was the hard and right thing to do. So I just think that we can design a machine. If we're using it ourselves, we will design it and make upgrades to it in the right way so that it meets our business needs versus trying to design something that everyone can use. You talked about the dire need for the food industry to innovate. And obviously, there's so much automation already happening. Of course, we have to then ask you about that age old question about, you know, people criticizing the fact that robots are replacing human jobs. So are your pizza robots replacing the need for human labor? And how do you address that? Yeah, it would be one thing if we were already a giant company with lots of employees and we're just like firing lots of people to replace them with actual robots. There's kind of that angle. But ultimately, I think it's about being able to sharing the cost savings with everyone, right? With automation, we can spend more money on higher quality ingredients. We can pay our employees better, right? So maybe we'll be able to create higher quality jobs with the automation because we need fewer people. On top of that, it's interesting to think through, like if we can make food affordable for a larger group of people, and so maybe we don't create that one extra job, those two extra jobs, but then hundreds of families can spend $2 less. Yeah. The net benefit to society is actually greater. How did you come up with the name Stellar? Is it Stellar Pizza or is it just Stellar? Stellar Pizza. Stellar Pizza. And how did we come up with it? Funny story. I, we were serve automation for a while because we wanted to serve the world. And that is still officially sort of the, the corporate name. But when I first wrote the job postings for serve automation, I ended the job posting with like, join a stellar team. And I just laughed at myself. I thought I was so funny. And then, you know, we went through the typical like hire a brand studio, figure out names. And then, you know, they, we went through a bunch of names. And once they showed me stellar, I was like, oh, yeah, that one. It's a subtle nod to our history. We are 26x SpaceX engineers here at Stellar Pizza right now. And there's more employees than that. And it also just means good pizza, like Stellar Pizza. So let's talk about Stellar Pizza. How do you know it's good pizza? How are you judging? Like, yes, we can do it. We can make really good pizza. And if you need taste testers. (laughs) Come on by. A couple things. We didn't design a, a robot just to make pizza. We designed a pizza and then we designed a robot to make that pizza. The two were developed together. And so we were always focused on food quality and we were buying some of the best. We use Grande Cheese, which is one of the largest suppliers of East Coast cheese, pizzeria cheese, and they have a very small presence on on the West Coast, growing though. But we're trying to bring that New York style to the West Coast. (laughs) Woohoo! And not that controversial a statement, but a lot of people I talk to, there's just like no good pizza in L.A. What's your end game? Is it to build up a pizza empire or to launch a mobile robot powered food revolution? Can you see yourself launching similar trucks, making other types of food? I guess the fact that you named it Stellar Pizza should be an indication of your answer coming up. But Well, the real indication of my answer is Serve Automation is the name of the the corporation, right? So we want to serve the world food. The mission of the company is to make sure everyone has access, everyone, bold everyone, has access to good, fast, fresh affordable foods, right? And that's the mission. You know, I'm talking around the topic, but it would be amazing to take our platform of mobile restaurants and serve other kinds of food to the world. 
We're always ready for the lightning round. This is the scariest part of the podcast. It's very intimidating. I'm going to ask you some questions. One word answers. We're going to start easy. Is your pizza good? Yes. All right. You're one for one, Benson, crushing it so far. Let's move on to a little bit more difficult topic. What is the best pizza topping? The best pizza topping Mm -hmm. is pepperoni. All right. That's probably also the most popular. Is that your favorite personal favorite topping also? Yes. Way to take a bold stand. Outside of pizza, what is the single best food? Boba. You seem to speak a lot of languages from your background and your story. How do you say I love food in engineering? That's like a good one. one more. How do you say I love food in engineering? <laughs> this is, I'm so stressed. What? Very hard. Lightning round. I warned you. I warned you coming into it, Benson. Okay, give him a pass. <laughs> a pass? I don't this know. Don't, round don't give me a pass. I'm going to like record myself and send it to you when it hits me, but like I'm trying really hard here. You do like hard things. I do like difficult things, and the thing is engineering as a language isn't filled with one word. <laughs> we'll give you like three words on we'll this one. We'll give you at least two words, maybe three on this one. 3.141569. Pi, get it? Pi. Yeah. Pi. Oh, yeah, see, that's good. Pi. Well, no, I mean, pi is... It is a pizza, right? Pi is the most important number. Is that an answer? Like, pi is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Take it. What is the hardest task for robots to do? Stretch the dough, spread the sauce, top the pizza, or cook it? Top the pizza. Cool. Aditi alluded to this earlier, but are you a pizza empire or a robotics empire? We're a food empire. Ooh, neither of the above. All right, last question for you. Harder to build, battery systems for spaceships or pizza robots? Equivalent. Oh, take a stance, Benson. No, 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 they're both very interesting problems. And one's not easier than the other, legitimately. I one word, this. one word answer. I did. I said equivalent. You did a great job. That lightning round, we had some ups and some downs. It was a bit of a roller coaster. <laughs> Just like entrepreneurship is a roller coaster ride. Full Stack Food is brought to you by the Techstars Farm to Fork Accelerator. Techstars Farm to Fork is a mentorship-driven accelerator program working with the startups that are focused on the food value chain from on-farm to supply chain, manufacturing, all the way to the future of food retail. We provide mentorship, capital, and a network that can help take your startup from where you are today and accelerate it to its next level. If you're an early stage tech founder that has applications into the food system, reach out today to learn more about our program. Here's this week's Startup Corner. Today, I'm here with Karen, the CEO and co-founder of Lumi Foods. Karen, thanks for joining. What pain are you solving at Lumi Foods? What's the pain point here? I think the pain point we think we're part of trying to solve is helping to transition a food system away from heavy reliance on animal agriculture. And a big component of animal agriculture is the production of animal dairy and animal dairy cheeses. And so our focus is developing alternatives for traditional dairy cheeses, specifically in the cultured cheese variety, and creating true diversity of product type in that realm. What's the hardest part about making cheese alternatives? Is it the flavor profile or is it the texture and mouthfeel? Which is harder? I think because our focus is on not on inherently trying to veganize traditional dairy cheeses, we're focusing a bit more on how do we create standalone cheeses so that have their own unique property and characteristics. 
What's the big vision? Like, how do you take over the world with cheese? You create great alternatives that compel people to choose that alternative versus the dairy alternative. Today, I'm here with Manuela, the CEO and co-founder of Cadea. Manuela, what pain are you solving at Cadea? So at Cadea, we're solving for two major pains. One is that people want to not only be hydrated, but know that they're hydrated. They want to have that information, you know, in their phones, on their wearables. And the other one is people want to do the sustainable thing for the planet without any sacrifice. And so how are you solving those two pain points? Yeah. So take the upcoming pilot we have at a construction site. The two reasons why the construction company jumped out of their seats to bring our station to the construction site was they need to meet OSHA requirements regarding worker safety, specifically linked to worker hydration. And right now that's a pen to paper process for them. So what we're doing is we're vending cold filtered water in bottles that are grab and go because every bottle has a laser etched serialized QR code on the bottom, we can digitize that consumption and we can report back to the company. This is exactly how much water your employees are drinking. So they can turn around to OSHA and say, this is how much water was consumed. And we met the requirement. So your station is like a vending machine. The station is like a vending machine in terms of size and in terms of vending conveniently a variety of beverages in a bottle. But that's where the similarities end because when you're done consuming your beverage, you return the container to any station in our network and the station itself washes, sanitizes, inspects, and refills the container for the next user. And that's the sustainability piece that we're delivering, which is you're still getting a grab and go experience. It's just like opening a fridge door and grabbing a bottle of Aquafina or Dasani. But in our case, there's no waste. What's your big vision then? How are you going to take over the world with this? So our big vision is to be able to eliminate all beverage containers that are single use forever for everyone. So going back to the original question, can rocket scientists improve pizza? Guys. I think so. I mean, Benson sold me. I'm excited to try it. I, it's worth the trip to California. In space. <laughs> Only in space. I'm curious. I would definitely try it. And I like the novelty of when he mentions someday you might be able to well, have cameras in there and you can actually see your pizza being made. I could see that being, you know, having that curb appeal for kids and I mean, adults too. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I think so much of it comes back to this question that we've talked about quite a bit. And that is part of our food tech thesis at Bread and Butter is labor. Yeah. There's not enough labor to do the jobs we need in the restaurant community right now. Exactly. And so our rocket scientist, the one who can figure out robotics when it comes to creating pizza and sounds like it and do it at a price point that it's competitive hey if it can replicate an authentic new york style pizza i am in <sighs> fun show guys see you here next week
Full Stack Food is produced by Aditi Roy Media.